Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Colossal Supremo. Go! Your destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award winning play by play man Dan Dibley Squirt. and international soccer savant Rick Kittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. Another edition of Golasso Supremo. Golasso! Asso, asso, asso! Dibs, when I look at you, I think two things. Two only? Two, yes, two things. things. Soccer and. Bulgarian clog dancing. We're going to have to tease that for later, I'm afraid. <laughs> Bulgarian clog dancing. Somehow that fits? I don't know. I'm just, I'm. you know what? I, we were talking about this before we went on our little, I can't say the air, before we got on this podcast. Right. Is we're just two guys like talking soccer, and we hope that people listening uh, feel the same. I love that, that, that I'm able to talk soccer with you. And I was a little distracted when you went Bulgarian because I was thinking about Christo Stoichkov, mm. but I believe he was Romanian, if I'm not mistaken, not Bulgarian. Or did I have it right? That no, he is Bulgarian. No, he is Bulgarian. You're thinking maybe Yorgi Haji. He um, was def- oh, yeah. Haji about the he same He was era. the Romanian. They look the same. They were both at USA 94. But yeah, Stoichkov played for Barcelona. Fantastic player, yes. That can only qualify as an unbelievable pull for me right out of the gate. No, I have- I, yeah, I wish you would have gone with it. Well, I hadn't said the name Christo Stoichkov in so long. I wasn't sure that the Christo was right. Balakov was on that team. Radu Choyu was on that team. Of course. Some of your favorite Bulgarians. And uh, Stoichkov had the the fire tuck, did he not? I He did have a balding spot, yeah. They, they hadn't got the Ted Dance and Spray yet, yet over there by the Danube. It's incredible how memory works because when you said Bulgarian and because we're talking soccer, that's yeah, really the only thing. Sure. That I possibly could have gone with. Well, I'll throw this in. That USA 94 team, or I should say World Cup, I knew I was going to work it. And I was so excited for England to come. They were going to send them to California so the Hoolies would be far enough away from England. Um, and, uh, of course, Graham Taylor contrived to have England not qualify. The non-call on Platt at Feyenoord Stadium against Holland ruined it. Then I thought, okay, my Danes are coming. Michael Laudrup missed a penalty against Spain. So Spain went. Uh, France didn't go. Of course, that was the David Ginola. He's a criminal. His father had a heart attack because Gerard Ullier said that. All these, none of the good teams were coming outside of Germany and Brazil and Italy. That was it. And I thought Bulgaria and Romania, ugh. both those teams got the semifinals. They both had fantastic teams. The Romanian team, Tottenham signed three guys off that. Team. Wow. Yeah, it was great. And that speaks to the beauty of the event. And we're talking soccer here as always. Golasso Supremo, Dan Dibley, and Rick Tittle. But the World Cup, you just never know what you might get. This year, you get Croatia mm-hmm. going through with Modric and Rakitic and, and the rest, Mandzukic, and really a team with some talent, but you weren't sure mm-hmm. if they had enough to get there. But sometimes the group shakes out for you, the draw breaks your way, and an unexpected side can make a deep run. Watching which- Rakitic and Mandzukic did give me butt itch. Okay. Again, if I had a hi-hat, I need to bring a little drum kit in here for the... 
yeah. when you uh, crack and, off your clever one-liners. And, and, and since it's a podcast, I mean, you and I, we do live radio. Maybe we'll get a text or a call or someone will tell us that a root beer float day three days later or three years <laughs> later. But this is a podcast. Yeah, there's no direct. Uh, so I'll say these things and people can really go, or and we'll find out in a couple And weeks. just hit the fast forward 30 seconds button if you need sure. to uh, click through is anything. Is that in there? Radio.com? I believe so. Okay. This is a radio.com podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk VAR mm-hmm. in a moment, video assistant referee, because it, it reared <laughs> its, and I'll say, ugly head mm-hmm. to preview my remarks and my feelings about VAR. But first, more broadly, the Champions League. We've gone from 16 down to 8. Uh, your takeaways, I know, are numerous, but let's start with your side and a nice little advancement over Dortmund. Yeah, Tottenham now, this is all they have to play for. And as I predicted, there was not a team of Kyle Walker-Peters and Juan Foyt and like that. They played their full side. Um, they took a 3-0 advantage into the Westfalen Stadion there. It, uh, and the funny thing is, if you're a fan of soccer, you love this game because whenever a great team is down 3-0, the kitchen sink is getting thrown into the box. And the first three min- 30 minutes of that game, I believe Lloris made nine saves. And all I could think of was maybe they will overcome this 3-0 deficit. Right. It was really shady. And then um, they started getting a little tired. And then when Kane hit the breakaway goal, about 20 minutes left. That took the wind out of the sails. They knew they weren't scoring four, and then it was academic at that point. But simultaneously to that, we'll jump to the other game that was played between Ajax and Real Madrid. Wow. Yeah, that game was uh, Maggie, Maggie McGarry's, where I watch at uh, Grant and Green. That game was being played on the other TVs, and there were a lot of Dutchmen that were in there, or at least Ajax fans. And uh, as we were talking about last week, it's just it's too great a franchise. The Yankees of Holland, you can't count them out. And I know that a lot of Real Madrid fans are crushed. And all I have to say to them is, do you want to win it every year? Can you not? This is not the end of the world. Okay, you guy went out in the last 16. I know that's not great. But how many do you want to win in a row? It's like, quit being quit hogging. It's Ajax and they're exciting. And I. I kind of hope that we draw them now. but maybe Exactly, <laughs> and the redraw is still yet to come. For Real Madrid, I think it just <laughs> sings a little bit because this is now the post-Ronaldo era, and you win the three straight with Cristiano Ronaldo, and you think, well, once he goes, we can get over this. You lose your coach, you lose your star player, and now you lose your spot in the Champions League. And also, oh, by the way, you, I believe, are in third or fourth in La Liga as it sits. So it's been a bit of a disaster for Real Madrid and to to go out 4-1 at home is the one that stings the most I think for for the best that Spain has to offer. It, yeah, as I said, it it can happen now and again. I I remember it was not too long ago where Rivaldo had to kick a bicycle kick from like 30 yards out to make sure that Barcelona would even get into a Champions League the next year. So, for Real Madrid fans, if this is a massive dip in a rebuild you're fine. Yes, you're to still fine. make Champions League. In I know. It's like, 16. oh my gosh, we're in third when everybody else in the world dreams of third. So and yes. I, yeah. Now, sitting third in La Liga, yes, I misspoke when I said fourth. They are third and trailing Barcelona by an insurmountable 12 points. Atleti sitting second, seven back. That race has all but been run. Now to the other Champions League action, which will lead us into VAR, which reared its ugly head it was Manchester United 3, PSG 1. Man U needed a third road goal in order to steal it, and they were gifted a penalty kick 
in extra time in the 90th minute on a kick that, quite frankly, in real time, the referee thought it was just a simple corner kick off the defense. But upon VAR, they gave a penalty. It was converted by Daniel Rashford. And man, you goes through. What did you think of the call first? And secondly, what do you think of VAR and its application in the Champions League? Well, the way I think about VAR, I mean, it, you think about some horrible injustices over the, the the years. If they had had it for the hand of God, Maradona's goal against England in 1986, That's that would have been great. I saw it as a clean goal. Uh, Jeff Hurst's hat trick in extra time, 1966 final against Germany. The one that hit under the bar came right back down, cannoned out. There's no way that ball was over the line. It was given a goal at Wembley. VAR to me, you should have a challenge flag. I don't know what the rules could be, maybe one per half. What I don't like is you think, wow, we escaped a penalty there, or wow, I'm glad that goal counter. And all of a sudden, everybody starts playing again, and then, yeah, someone draws a TV like on Romper Room, and they say, mm -hmm. we're going to go upstairs now, and we're going to take a look. Now, the thing is about, and I'm not a Manchester United fan at all, and, and PSG now eight years in a row have choked when they get to this stage. A tweet in French. <laughs> They, Un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, six, sept, huit. Oh, I thought you said, oh, huit. I thought you said they queefed. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if the French word for queef is also queef or maybe le queef, but yeah. maybe next week we, no. Yeah, we'll we get won't. into the queefing. Uh, but the... Uh, you queefa? The, the, I'll, I'll say this in Man United's defense, if you want to be a stickler for the rules. There is nothing that says if you raise your hands above yourself above your waist to protect your face that you're exempt. Uh, like if the ball hits you while you're blocking your face, that's still a handball. When you turn your back and leave your arms out, I've seen that called penalties before. Now, as I said, that's a stickler thing, and they talk about ball to hand, and if you turn and the ball hits your arm, the thing is you're not supposed to have your elbows out. So it's one of those things where I kind of see both sides. If you go, go by the letter of the law, absolutely, it's a penalty. But if you go by the spirit of the law, yes. it's a corner kick. And that, to me, is where <laughs> VAR falls short because we take the spirit of the call out of it. And the, the man running up and down the field, I don't know who the referee was. His name escapes me. Mm -hmm. But he worked a game. Queef he, Jones. <laughs> so Mr. Jones works all 90 minutes. He's running up and down. He's presenting cards. He's blowing whistles. He's doing his darn best. And in the spirit of that call, that shot from about 25 yards away, that's going in the 14th row. It's not necessarily what you would consider a shot on goal. I know he's trying to score, yeah. but the ball's not going to reach the frame. And so the fact that the defender jumps and turns, and his arm isn't wildly out of, out of his body frame, and I don't believe that he was trying to intentionally make himself bigger he wasn't. so as to block the ball with his arm. For me, the spirit of the rule is such that that should not have been a penalty. There are a lot of people in England, I was watching a discussion on this, and they were saying, you're taught, every defender especially is taught, that when the ball is shot, don't turn your back. You put your arms behind your back, and you take it off your face, you take it off your chest, you take it off where, and they don't wear cups. Um, and so they were sort of saying, this is what this kid gets for turning his back. I'm like, I've seen a lot of great players uh, turn their backs before. But VAR is, I mean, you think about it, the, the Irish with that playoff against the French where Thierry Henry with his hand pulled it back in to himself and then scored, and they wanted to replay the game like the New Orleans Saints. Oh, we have to replay this whole game. There are a lot of injustices. I like the fact that we have VAR. I think it should be something that you would have to challenge. Not everyone sets up for a corner and all of a sudden, wait, 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 we're going to take another look at this because... 
Um, you know, as I said, it's uh, and the funny thing is, after the game, they went to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and they said, "You've done it," and he's like, "Yes, I have." And I'm like, "The hell did he do?" The guy turned his back and VAR did it. But if you win and you're the coach, you did it. Well, you know what he did is he realized by looking at the roster, maybe it was on the training ground, he realized that he had a player named Romelu Lukaku. And something that the chosen one, Jose Mourinho, during his stead there, he found a way to alienate and basically eliminate Big Rom, who has come on now and absolutely lit the Premier League on fire. And he had a brace in the Champions League knockout game, which ultimately set the stage for the call that went their way. That's something I said, I think, about three podcasts ago. Why number nine isn't playing, I don't know, when he starts for Belgium and what he has done in the Premier League. Marcus Rashford's penalty, by the way, was taken quickly. Um, I thought it almost got saved. The other thing I wanted to, to ask you, Dan, the salmony pink with white shorts, jerseys with salmony pink socks. No good. What on earth was that? It's like somewhat like your mom washed something with a pink shirt. Yes. I, I, I didn't get it. Tie-dye gone wrong. It's not even <laughs> pink enough to really go for pink, which it's like, okay, you know, breast cancer awareness month, yeah. October. I get it. Go right. pink. It's a great look, especially when it's timed in that month. But I'm totally with you. And it looks like you mixed your, your lights with your darks and you forgot to switch the knob to cold. <laughs> Who washed the load on hot? You know what? We're in Paris. We can't get back of uniforms. We got to go with the pink ones. Yeah, or as you would say, some knob did it. Yes, without a doubt. This mm. is Golasso Supremo, Rick Tittle, and Dan Dibley. Quick look ahead to the Champions League action still to come, and it will take place before we rejoin this podcast in this great space. Man City and Schalke. Man City up 3-2 going home. We can both pretty much agree that that's long odds that Schalke can get back in that one. Although I'll be rooting very much for Schalke. My uh, grandfather, my great-grandfather used to live in Gelsenkirchen, so Schalke 04, go Schalke. But yeah, I'm with you. The yeah. other three, I think, far more compelling, including Juve at home against Atleti, Atletico Madrid with two goals in their home leg, so Juve needing two home goals just to form extra time. Is this a perfect scenario for Atletico Madrid, a team that likes to play that defensive counterpunching style? Yeah, I mean, you would think so. You can't count out Juve, or you can't count out any team at this point. It's funny, I was talking to the, the owner of Magma Gary's, he's this Irish guy, and and he's like, who do you want in the next draw? And I'm like, someone easy. He's like, there's no such thing. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. There is no one easy at this point. Um, I would like to see Atleti uh, make it through. The working man's team. Yes. Uh, I don't have a lot of love for La Vecchia Signora, to say the least. Bayern hosting Liverpool, and uh, Liverpool unable to score in their home legs, so it's nil-nil, and you go to Bayern, that's got to be a rugged place for for Klopp's boys to come through, especially considering their form of late has not been supernatural like it was earlier in the year. Liverpool, it's just their pedigree to rise up in these situations. You think about the final in Istanbul against Milan, down 3-0, they'll just find a way. Plus, their goals are worth more than the Bayern goals, so I think Liverpool are actually going to win this at the Allianz Arena. Barca and Lyon also nil-nil after the first leg. This is Does this set up for uh, Daniel and the Lions then, basically? Is this a slaughter waiting to happen for uh, Barca? Daniel and the Lyons. I should have gone yes. there. <laughs> you Maybe know we will take two this segment because I'd like to have that joke back. <laughs> we, uh, You know what? This is my upset special. Whoa! Yeah, I'm going to go with Olympique de Lyonnais. By the way, Lyon, no offense, not a great town. It's an oil town. It's all elf 
towers full of, I think maybe you went through there. It's not the best town, but anyway, um, I'm going to go with uh, Olympic and I think this is the upset. Wow, that is a stunning upset, especially considering uh, the first leg goes 0-0. And after these are done, which next Tuesday, next Wednesday, we get the redraw, right? And the round of eight is also a two-legged situation. Yeah, we'll have the draw. And um, it's funny. The one, it's funny. I was talking to the guy. I'm like, I don't want an English team. And we could have half of the draw English teams. I just, it, it just doesn't feel like Europe. And then uh, Tottenham always has problems with those teams that are still in there. So I just don't want, I mean, it's like, oh, what do you want? Barcelona or Bayern Munich? As I said, pick your poison. Yeah. And I think most teams will be hoping for Ajax in the draw, if not mm-hmm. Lyon, Olympique, Lyonnais, not Mayonnaise, but yeah. Lyon, that would be the team that they would hope to play for. It's going to be a tough week in the Premier League. For Man City and Liverpool as well, having that extra game. So a game this weekend for Liverpool, it's home to Burnley on Sunday and then a quick turnaround. And for Man City, it is a case where they host Watford on Saturday. So at least an extra day for the citizens as they try to nurture what is now a one-point lead with nine to play atop the table in the Premier League. And those are both... I can't call anything a soft touch, but those are both highly winnable fixtures at home. So they'll... They might even rest a few guys in that one. You figure they, they just might. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, around the Premier League, Southampton hosting Spurs. Is it playing for pride right now for Tottenham? Obviously, Champions League placing is critical. Is it holding on to third place, or is it really tough in this spot to, to keep fighting knowing that the title race has probably been run? Well, they know what it's like to go to that qualifying phase. They do not want to relinquish third place, and they got a couple teams right in their rearview mirror, a couple of London teams there. Um, I do remember I waited my whole life for Tottenham to get to the Champions League. They went to the qualifying rounds. They had to play young boys in Switzerland, and young boys in the first 20 minutes were leading 3 nothing. Wow. And all I could think of was I waited my whole life, and we're out. You know, and then so Tottenham got a goal back. It was three one. They went back to the lane. They won, and Tottenham go, ended up going to the quarterfinals. That's when Tottenham beat both Milan and Inter, both at the uh, Giuseppe Meazza San Siro in in Milan. So they, I do not want to go through that again. Tottenham doesn't want to go through that again. And now with, with Pogatino having a two match ban, uh, that's going to be appealed. Um, it's vitally important. They got the eyes on the prize. Now, what do you think of the Pogatino ban? Because he clearly lost his you-know-what, podcast or not, I'm not a big fan of swearing around open microphones, yes. but he lost his bits, so to speak, and he crossed the line. But is the two-match ban too harsh for a guy who previously has not shown this lack of comportment? I think it's funny that he mentioned that exactly. He's like, look at my track record. I've been a great kid. Um, I think a one-match ban, I think, I think he does deserve a ban. I thought two is a bit harsh. Like, he didn't touch anybody. He didn't push anybody. He just remonstrated and, and, and screamed in the guy's face, which is not how you want to, as you say, comport yourself as the gaffer of a team. But two is a bit harsh. I have a feeling on appeal it'll get reduced to one. I'm crossing my fingers. Manchester United sitting fourth in the Prem now. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doing incredible work. I've been rehearsing his name, watching all these matches. It only took seven or eight weeks, but <laughs> I'm starting to really lock in on the pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Does he deserve to get the job now long-term? Considering the climb they've made in the Premier League and the gutsy advancement in the Champions League, would it be insulting to a Man U legend not to give him the gig full-time? Well, that's a great question, and I think at this point he's probably locked it up. 
I don't be like John Paul Baseball here. Great question. That's there. a great question, Dan. Um, Love the, him. <laughs> the thing is, is that he wasn't going to have it, but his former teammates, um, Nicky Butt, the Neville brothers, not the guys who sing like this, <laughs> really but pretty the, good. The other Neville brothers, uh, they're all now saying that he has to have it. The esprit de corps, the joie de vivre, every other French term you can think of. It's you can't stop it now. Even I guess we have to wait ultimately for Sir Alex to weigh in, Sir Alex Ferguson to anoint him and give him the thumbs up. I don't know if they wait on him or not, but it couldn't hurt. It's sort of like Jerry West who said, why did you sign DeAndre Jordan to an offer sheet? That's you know, pretty that's good. The, yeah. Arsenal actually is hosting Man U. Arsenal currently sitting fifth in the table, so a, a spot in the Champions League potentially on the line. Still nine matches left to play, but how much do you look at this if you're the Gunners and think that this is one you absolutely have to have? Well, I mean, it, it, that's the great thing about this league is we always think like, oh, it's all over. And the next thing you know, you win three games in a row, you get nine points, and you think, oh, it's not over. The funny thing is the way this league works, too, the way the English work, too, is that if Man U loses this game, they'll say, oh, that's because they're concentrating on the Champions League and we should have concentrated here. Just play the game, and then we'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, are they, these are two teams that are fighting to get into Europe and, and not just uh, get into Europe in the Europa League. Story time coming up in a few minutes. I hope you'll share one of your uh, great tales from around the world. And I know you've made some copious <laughs> notes in your phone, including some notes you don't understand. I'm hoping you'll share those as well. Maybe you and I together can figure out exactly what you were thinking when you uh, were prepping for this podcast. I know. What's the... Uh What's the word that uh, Trump tweeted that no one knew what it meant? A confefe. Yeah, it was I basically good way to pull that out. Thank I, you. I basically had a confefe in there. <laughs> I love it. Well, we can share that with the audience momentarily and we can see uh, mm. exactly what you meant. I've got another one though. Another Another story. For okay. story, for story time. Beautiful. Uh, Chelsea yeah. by the way sitting 6th on 56 and then a huge gap down to Wolves at 43. Pretty safe all the way through until you get to Southampton at 27, just two points above relegation. Cardiff, Fulham, Huddersfield, all in the relegation zone. And looks like Huddersfield and Fulham already just about assured to go down. Yeah, those teams are down. It's the fight for the last spot in the trap door right now. And I sort of have a soft spot in my heart for Saints. I went to the St. Mary's Stadium there. They had just moved out of the Dell. Matt Letizia's bar was still there. I walked across the river itching which I thought was cool. And I said, this is so bitchin' walking across the itchin'. <laughs> nice. And everyone was stone-faced. They didn't get it. Um, and then I watched Tottenham lose 3-0. That's when Casey Keller was the goalie and just basically hemorrhaged goals. But uh, I'm kind of hoping that they stay up. I was kind of hoping for Fulham, too. The Hutter, the uh, the Terriers, though, they'll just say, remember that time we were in the Premier League? And I don't think they're going to come back. It was a brief, <laughs> a brief time in the Premier League. I'd like to see Bournemouth stay up. They have lost four or five with just a draw in there, and they have suddenly been sinking a little bit further down. I guess if I had to pick a team of the, the bottom eight to be relegated, I'd go with Newcastle. Newcastle's had a good long run, a good long stint. Newcastle right now on 31 points, six clear of the relegation zone, but I, I wouldn't mind a, a respite from the from Newcastle. Well, I can see that. I know a lot of Newcastle fans. If I could pick anyone, I'd like West Ham to be bottom of the league. Well, I the mean, Hammers are ninth on yeah. 39 points. They're yeah. just so that's 40 not points, the point at which you can consider yourself safe. That's supposed to be the safe zone. I think one year a, point, a team did get 40 points, and it's like sort of like if you, if you win 
uh, 10 games in the NFL, you're going to the playoffs. Gotcha. Of course, we've seen teams go 12-4 and four and not make the playoffs. Um, but uh, the reason that I, I, I don't care for Bournemouth, even though it's a nice city on the south coast down there in Hampshire, um, the logo looked like I drew it with my left hand. Oh. It's a person with their neck bent back all the way and then hair drawn as lines, making a very painful header straight up. I don't know. That if you know, I hate teams that change their logo every year like Man City. Why don't you just get a real logo and stick with it for the next hundred years? Makes perfect sense. Yes. Especially in an historic sport such as soccer. This is Golasso Supremo, Dan Dibley, and Rick Tittle, and we've reached the audience's favorite time in the show, Rick, and it's <laughs> story time with, with Uncle Ricky as we channel our inner slick Rick the ruler. Uncle Ricky, will you tell us a bedtime story, even though no one's going to sleep listening to this enthralling pod? It's story time with Uncle Rick. Well, speaking of romper room, I see Cindy and Becky nice. and Tommy Miss and Nancy. Johnny. Incredible. You're bringing us back there. I know. How's, the, the keys are references were lost. How old you got to be to get the romper room references? You've got to be 50 plus because I am exactly 50 and I remember it, but I wasn't really old enough mm. to remember it. What about Charlie and Humphrey? Uh, that's about the same era. Okay. Th- they were those puppets, right? Yeah, Pat McCormick. Captain Kangaroo and the whole deal. Sure, Bob Wilkinson. R.I.P. Right. Bob Wilkinson um, and Pat McCormick. Yes. When I was uh, working at the uh, the World Cup as a volunteer in 1994, the opening match was between Brazil and Cameroon. And Brazil was staying in Los Gatos, and they uh, it was nothing but a party. They had had this two-mile-long caravan of cars that drove all the way up. I got to meet Joao Havelange, who was the president of FIFA, uh, the vice president was a guy named Heinz Palme, who was from Austria. And all he Heinz. Would, Heinz Palme. All he would do is frown, and then you'd say hi, and he'd smile, and he'd hand you a pin that said Austrian Football Federation on it. <laughs> I don't know what he did. But anyway, uh, Cameroon <clears throat> had had a huge beef with their FA, and they weren't getting paid. And so they were going to strike. And I remember um, this was in the media center. They came in, and there was a huge argument. And it was Roger Mila and Francois Oman-Biak who scored the goal that beat Argentina in the opener in 1990. Um, he was playing for Club America in Mexico at the time, but it was Mila and Francois Oman-Biak. And there was the, I don't know if he was the president or the king of Cameroon, but there was this fat guy and they're arguing. And my boss, who was also named Rick, he says, get in between them, form a wall. And so like eight of us went in between and we hooked arms. And then all these cameras turned on with lights. And I remember Oman-Biak, he was putting his cheek next to mine, looking the same way, pointing. And he's going, in English, it is because of you. You are the reason for the boycott. You're the reason we will not play in the World Cup. Blah, 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 blah. And we thought, oh, my gosh, our opening game is going to be Brazil versus no one. Right. And the forfeit is, I think, a 3 nothing final score if you forfeit. And so <clears throat> the night before, they come to an agreement. They're going to play. But the uh, FA says, we don't have any jerseys because... I thought you guys were taking care of Wow. A guy from our um, crew went down to Soccer World on Holly Street in San San Carlos. They were selling Cameroon jerseys. They printed up all the names all night long and the numbers. If you watch that game, by halftime, the names and numbers were all peeling off. That's incredible. Because we, we had a guy run to Soccer World to get the jerseys the night before. Just a little peeling back the curtain. Literally. Um, World Cup story. Though. That's fantastic. And what was the final? Do you recall? It was, um, I remember um, the opening goal was scored by Romario. And um, he ran over to the sideline and they had a young 16-year-old by the name of Ronaldo. And they said, this is our next great star. He will not play in this World Cup. 
but we want him to come and experience it. And he didn't play. But I remember looking at this little 16-year-old going, this guy, Ronaldo, I got to keep my eye on him. And this was the Ronaldo <laughs> before the Ronaldo. This is the Ronaldo, not, right. not Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Uh, that was 1994, 90. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 3 nothing was the final. You said three the nothing. forfeit would be 3 nothing. <laughs> that was 3 nil as well. They, mm -hmm. they drew Sweden 2-2, and then uh, Russia gave them the old Iron Curtain 6-1 to also at Stanford. And you know what's funny is that game, they were both knocked out, and that's probably the most famous soccer game I ever went to in my life because we had two records. Oleg Solenko scored five goals. The first guy since Yus, the only guy since Yus Fontaine of France to score five goals. Dmitry Radchenko got the other. And then Roger Mila scored. He became still the oldest scorer of a World Cup goal in history. So two records in that one game that we thought was a throwaway game. And that was 6-1 to one with uh, Russia beating Cameroon. Yes. That's incredible. That's homework for all of you And one more thing. Listeners. I'll yes. throw this in. Two years before, they were called the CIS at Sweden 92, the European Championships, the Commonwealth of Independent States, because they didn't know what they wanted to call themselves. This was the first time they were ever playing matches as Russia, not the Soviet Union. Right, I remember that. The Commonwealth <laughs> of Independent States. CIS That's on right. red Adidas uniform. From CCCP to CIS, they bought themselves a vowel and then eventually <laughs> moved into uh, the Russia era. Yes. That's fantastic World Cup uh, World Cup insights there. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the next World Cup. When do we get CONCACAF qualifying? When does that start? Later this year, 2019? It'll start in November. Of 2019? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Greg Burhalter. By the way, I was wanted to mention real quick before we say goodbye. Yeah. I went to uh, San Jose Earthquakes opening night. Saturday, <clears throat> it was muddy and it was rainy. Um, That's too it, bad. Yeah, it was fun, though. They scored the first goal. Um, the, Sell out? Sell out crowd? Um, close. I mean, it was hard to move around. I think the rain kept some people away. Sounds good. Uh, they can't do any worse than last year. They were one of the worst teams in the history of Major League Soccer. But uh, it's just, it's cool to have a domestic league. And of course, you get a workout because I'm always with the ultras and I'm jumping up and down and singing and making my moneymaker horse. Yeah. And that's always the <laughs> tough part of it. Is, yeah. you know, and I'm not saying that's what's kept me from going down there. But I, I vow 2019, I will make my Avaya Stadium debut. You have not gone? I've not gone, Rick. Oh, because of gone. a uh, divorce. It's partly because <clears throat> of a divorce and also partly because of uh, the forced nature of the divorce. Yes. Uh, I did my one year as play-by-play -play guy back at Buckshaw, and I had grand dreams of accompanying the team to the new stadium. I was there with Dave Cavill when we set the record for largest groundbreaking in the history of a stadium groundbreaking, there wow. was, I think, 3,000 of us with shovels wow. all simultaneously plunging into the San Jose earth. And then when we parted company, the Quakes and I, I've, I've been a little bit bitter, but I'm ready to let the bitterness go. I'm ready to embrace the team. I love the local product. I love the earthquakes. And I do want to see Chris Wondolowski break that record. And I remember John Lund saying in our airwaves, I just want to go to the world's largest outdoor bar. Yeah. So there's that too. There is that. You're implying <clears throat> yeah. that I am a, uh, a teetotaler. Um, the implication would be accurate. So you're don't, not a, you're you don't a, have to You're not a teetotaler. You'll have a drink now and then. Every now and again, laddie. Yeah, sure. It's fantastic. Yeah, right? maybe a non-alcoholic cloth dollar. You never that. Never <laughs> that. I, it's To me, if you're going to drink a beer, you might as well right. drink an actual beer. Right. As I, opposed I, to... You know, a knockoff. That's like me with chicken sausage. Either serve me chicken or serve me sausage. I sound like I'm a demanding guy. I don't want chicken in my hot dog or my sausage. And I like the serve me implying that yes. someone will be serving you because God forbid you actually make your own food. Well, remember my hashtag is bow down. So 
I mean, that kind of sums it up right there. We should all then bow until next time. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 